The Black Mirror episode Nosedive takes place in a world where people rate each other from one to five stars for every interaction they have, giving each person an average rating. And this rating has vast effects on socioeconomic status and class, with higher rated people having more privileges and opportunities than lower rated people. In this story, we follow Lacey, who's overly obsessed with her ratings and is attempting to elevate her standing in order to be granted access to a luxurious residence. But she stumbles in these pitfalls and setbacks which make her journey to get to the top that much harder. In Nosedive, we are witnessing a society that has been affected by a new wave of classism, structured on the basis of power and accessibility coming from one's rating rather than, say, their race or net worth. These factors haven't been completely eliminated per se, but it's obvious they play second fiddle to the coveted social rating, which as a result has caused the way people interact with each other to be driven more totally by aspiration for personal gain. People put on fake smiles and attempt to say just the right things, their words never veering towards something too opinionated or crass, else they might offend someone, and they do this all in the act of self-preservation, to keep their social standing intact. At its core, Nosedive is a commentary on the sort of impression management and the superficial interactions and connections we make solely for our own selfish advantage. Look no further than the main character, Lacey, for example. She is transfixed on this new life she could have and the idea of social mobility despite already having such a high rating. It's never enough for her. Her competitive nature drives her desire to keep up and constantly post on her socials and attempt to impress high fours in hopes of some level of reciprocation or recognition. And there is this forced quality to each of her actions, where we can tell we aren't really ever getting the real Lacey, but a version of herself that she has crafted to be presentable. From the way she practices her fake smile and her laugh in the mirror, to how she obsesses over getting the perfect bite out of her cookie for an aesthetically pleasing photo next to her coffee, to post on social media to gain favor, only to spit out the cookie moments after the picture is taken. She didn't seem to like the coffee that much, either. Lacey is a product of this I-scratch-your-back-you-scratch-my-back economy, this mentality, where these upper threes and lower fours have these meaningless interactions all the time on a day-to-day basis, feigning happiness for one another while gifting each other five stars for even the mundane, this being second nature. These rules of social etiquette aren't brand new, they're just slightly transformed. They still mirror our own society in a lot of ways. In our own interactions, we present ourselves both online and offline in a myriad of ways, shifting and shaping ourselves to fit into the context of our situations. From the way we act with friends and family to prospective job employees or dates, we are constantly trying to compartmentalize ourselves, curating the best parts of our personalities to be presented during any particular interaction. And the underlying current in both Nosedive and our own lives is this drive towards reaching a higher version of ourselves. If I can fake or fabricate parts of who I am to appeal to someone with higher authority or clout, maybe I can actually become the person I am signaling to the world that I already am. In other words, fake it till you make it. In this world, you can't be the real authentic self, because the real authentic self is dangerous. It breaks social norms, it's offensive and challenges everyone's understandings, it sows seeds of discomfort. So the society builds these walls up in the form of a unified, controlled standard. If you want to gain favor and go up in the ratings, which you obviously do, why would you say something controversial or outwardly disagreeable? It's much more safer to conform to a gold standard of communication, 
one that is much more hollow and less personable. So because the entire society is operating under this known acceptance that everyone is essentially trying to point, pinch, and impress to get a little further, when someone deviates from those accepted rules, it's easy for the collective to banish them from that in-group for disturbing the social order. Think for a moment about the true scope of class warfare this really is. One major public gaffe or misstep could lead to an intense drop in ratings from all who witness it, even strangers, ruining your life forever. There's a character named Chester from Lacey's work who, after having a bad breakup with another person in the office, is shunted and shamed by his co-workers in the aftermath of that breakup, leading to a workplace dynamic in which most of the people side with Chester's former significant other, Greg, resulting in Chester's ratings tanking drastically, to the point where no one in the office wants to even be seen talking to a low three. His ratings actually slip so low that he's unable to reach the bar of entry to even be let into his own office building. This idea of many facets of life being gatekept by your social rating permeates the society throughout. From not being able to enter your job without a certain rating, to access to higher living standards, special flyer privileges given to upper echelon citizens, social currency seems to be the only currency. And when you consider how closely knit that social media and real life presence are connected in this episode, with your rating being a product of your interactions in both settings, you begin to understand the types of people who thrive in this society, which brings me really to the idea of the influencer. The influencer is a modern celebrity, a picturesque ideal many aspire for. They live the highest life, captured and shares in ways that reform our own understanding of what success can be. Lacey's old friend Naomi lives this life as a 4.8, and Lacey attempts to use Naomi's position and her connection to other high fours for her own gain. Lacey is invited by Naomi to be her maid of honor and to deliver a speech at her upcoming wedding. For Lacey, this is an opportunity to impress, a make-or-break event in which, if she wins the crowd over, she'll have those coveted ratings she dreams of. This is the linchpin to her own demise and unfurling. The way in which the idealized version of herself can finally be attainable by impressing the most people who have a direct effect on her life, people who she doesn't necessarily look up to, but to whose positions she looks up to. The thing about the social influencer in our own times is that we admire them for their authenticity, this raw realness that comes from being able to connect online with someone more attainable than, say, a movie star or a musician. But while we admire them for their authenticity, corporations connected to them admire them for their marketability. Their ability to sell a product or a service or a dream made up of products and services. They present the rat race, the constant cycle of upwards might and force in an attempt to move to the top from a more palatable, friendly sort of perspective. Lacey admires and looks up to Naomi because she is the idealized version of herself. While Lacey tries hard and has to constantly be operating as the best version of herself, the way Naomi carries herself seems, at least to Lacey, to be effortless. This idea taps into something integral, this redefining of the classism structure and the promise of social mobility. We are often sold this American dream that equal opportunity is available to everyone no matter their circumstances or where they came from, no matter our aspirations or our goals. But it's not hard to see how fraught that argument really is. There are inherent pressures and systemic factors that inhibit others from even dreaming. 
let alone attaining that dream. During Lacey's downward spiral when her ratings start to slip, she meets a truck driver named Susan, the lowest rated person Lacey has ever seen, a 1.4, and she comforts her with a story of how she was a 4.6 once, who slipped and fell from her heights after her husband, who was a 4.3, was passed up for a cancer treatment for another patient who was a 4.4. It didn't matter how many doctors or specialists Susan 5 starred, the cancer ate away at him all the same. This conversation with Susan is the first real interaction Lacey has in the episode with a stranger. The heightened gloss and the superficial layers, they're all pulled back, and what is revealed in Lacey is simply someone who wants enough who wants to be content and feels like a prisoner to the numbers game. We know this game all too well, the art of hustle and the gamification of our lives, our idealist mindset with hopes and dreams of living a better life, if not for us, then for our children, and oftentimes we'll do anything to achieve those goals. After all, everyone's got to serve somebody. For the bright pastels and colors we witness in Nosedive, there's a dark omen that bellows beneath it. When you consider our own fears when it comes to a society so interconnected and the way we've changed our communication habits, it's not hard to believe that our over-eagerness to gamify our interactions may become our own society's undoing. And when you hear news of governmental powers like China aspiring for a similar type of social credit system, a harrowing proposition, the lines between the fantasy world Nosedive creates and the societal horror we may be strapped in for blur at the seams. What Nosedive asks the audience to consider is whether or not they trade in their authentic self for social currency. And it seems like a simple question to answer, but when we even for a second analyze our deep roots and the ideals of social mobility, and that anyone can make it to the top if they work hard enough, it's hard to believe that through that rat race we can come out the other side truly ourselves. We put so much trust in governmental powers or rigid societal frameworks because of the peace of mind it gives us, the invisible safety net they cast around us. But we forget that often the people operating in these frameworks, you and I, we're disposable. And the moment you try to express individuality or ideals outside of that norm, that framework can begin to crumble around you. So, maybe to a fault, we stick to the status quo, fighting the good fight, clawing tooth and nail for money or class or power or happiness or simply to get by, damning our own beliefs and morals in the process of serving others. What profits someone to gain the world but lose their eternal soul? Well, in this world, where we are all so caught up in our own heads, it's easy to lose sight of what's real. And when given the choice between acting a part of the world or acting apart from the world, Maybe we too eagerly accept the former. Mind Theater is a solo effort produced and written by me, Ao Akingbade. To subscribe, look for Mind Theater on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For updates on the show and upcoming episodes, follow Mind Theater Pod on Twitter. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time.